Well, hello everyone. Uh, welcome to Struggle Session. I am your host, Leslie Lee the Third. As always, I am joined by the Samwise to my Frodo, yes. Jack Allison. How's it going? Thank you. Good, good. You know, uh, uh, I you know I caught the first couple Lord of the Rings, and uh, yeah, Lord of the Rings is back, baby. One billion dollars. Well, Leslie, let's be fair and let's be accurate that that's probably including the marketing money. But the official figure, staggering, is $717 million was spent on this particular series. Oh, no, they've updated it. They've updated it. Oh, they have. They've they've admitted to it being a billion, one billion with a B, dollars for production because they've built out everything for five seasons of this. So they've Man. pre-planned and they actually, and there's a quote from one of the show runners calling this, when you compare it to like an MCU movie, the amount of hours of content, $1 billion for five seasons is mm. actually a bargain, which I'm sure if you actually crunch the numbers, that is true, but that's only reflective of how insane Hollywood production is now, where we're at a point where there is a one billion dollar TV show, Jack. That this is pro, this is possibly the most expensive creative project that humanity has ever <laughs> undertaken, and none of us agreed to it. This was just yeah. Jeff Bezos's idea. No one was asking for like a Lord of the Rings TV show. It's literally his pet project amazing this kind of weirdly you know accepting that this is like the larger you know movement of every type of you know business in in america but this almost doesn't reflect the insanity of hollywood it more reflects just like the over complete over wealthiness of jeff bezos that he basically like on a whim and as a pet project purchased lord of the rings well We'll get into it later, but purchased <laughs> a very weird and specific slice of Lord of the Rings, um, you know, IP that was also done with a really weird legal loophole, which like make which makes the show very very strange. But yeah, it is like the richest man in the world because let's be real, you know, Elon Musk being the richest man in the world on Tesla stock is like pretty much a joke. Like Jeff Bezos is actually the richest man in the world. Um the richest man in the world, you know, had to have his own Lord of the Rings and was able to devote a billion dollars away from his investment in, you know, moon colonies where people are going to suffocate to death uh toward a pet project fake really knockoffy feeling lord of the rings show again this is jeff bezos's lord of the rings he is out there on the red carpet he's talking about in interviews where he, he was giving notes. the showrunners notes yeah like straight up like how he says like his he's a lifelong token fan and also 
His son is as well. And his son asks him, please don't F this up, dad. I mean, that's like, the funniest. The, the quote where he's talk, telling the story of like when his son was talking to him about not messing up Lord of the Rings. It's the funniest thing in the world for to be like, well, I bought Lord of the Rings. Like it's not it's not it's not relatable for someone's son to be like, please don't mess up Lord of the Rings, which you bought. Please don't buy Lord of the Rings and mess it up, dad. Absolutely astonishing. And Jack, you were mentioning what they actually bought. So it's not, I think a lot of people did think they were going to redo like the Fellowship of the Ring as, just as a TV show. I, I remember thinking that initially when it was announced for a while that they were just going to redo the original trilogy, maybe mix in The Hobbit, something like that. But this is a whole new tale yeah. of Lord of the Rings. Thousands, thousands of years previously to Lord of the Rings. I love the quote about uh, that you know, that's like doing a Sopranos uh, prequel yeah. series set in like ancient Rome or something right. like that, that which George or that's George George, R. what George R. 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 said about the first version of the of the, you know, Game of Thrones prequel they wanted to do at HBO that they won't let him see oddly. Yeah, well, and then again, this is meant to be, yes, another Game of Thrones, just like The Witcher, just like, you know, they're like, ton they even did, they did Wheel of Time on Amazon TV already, like, yeah. as their version of Game of Thrones. Oh, and Thrones. this has got a very Wheel of Time look to it, I would, I'd like to say. Yeah, but about where this story actually covers. So there are characters that we know because the elves just live forever. Uh, Galandril and Celebrimbor from uh, who's in the video sure. games, which sure. I'm very disappointed in his performance, but we'll, in his portrayal, I should say. No knock on the actor, but you know we'll get into that later. But this this does have some characters that we know. Um, Agent Smith's char character <laughs> is the, here as a young elf um and we we get to meet some of these people that we know but it's set so distant in the past because it's based and is based on a couple of appendixes and a few yeah. pages of the Cimmerillion. yeah yeah they, what they were able to get here the rights of lord of the rings are very very complicated so the rights have traditionally been held by a holding company called i think Middle Earth Enterprises, this holding company, uh, which is created uh, by Hollywood producer Saul Zentz, who, you know, is a, a he produced One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He produced Amadeus. Uh, and he has just gobbled up since the 1970s all of the film and TV rights uh, to Lord of the Rings, the book rights are still held separately and, you know, are granted to publishing companies to keep it in, in publication. However, and we, sh and we should, but well, we should mention that the only reason Tolkien sold any of these rights is to pay his taxes. He personally sure. was aghast at the idea of these adaptations. Yeah. No, of he didn't even, he didn't even like, like, apparently there's some story about like Tolkien went to like a, you know, an elementary school portrayal of the Hobbit and was like cringing every time the dialogue was changed from his dialogue. So he was like, <laughs> Like, he was like extra nerdy about like Lord of the Rings has to be this way. And, you know, to be fair, you know, like Tolkien was like an academic and was like, you know, made contributions to like the Oxford English Dictionary and shit like that. So like he was very specific about the language and knew a lot about like old English language and, you know, put a lot of like scholarship into it and everything like that. That's all just to say, you know, Tolkien maybe you know, is among the most 
didn't want his stuff to be adapted <laughs> of, of any kind of creator. But anyway, the Saul Zentz holding company, Middle Earth Enterprises, owns all these rights, um, you know, for television and film production. However, there was a weird little loophole that was found, uh, which was that because this holding company was founded in the 70s and the, and the, you know, the, the rights were kind of carved out around then, uh, they only owned the TV rights for up to a four episode miniseries. Because back in the 70s, they're like, well, we're never going to like, make more than a four episode miniseries about Lord of the Rings um, because it's, you know, uh, uh, broken up, you know, into, you know, you're, you're just not going to do that. That's not how television was back then. So Amazon was able to negotiate directly uh, with the Tolkien estate for this very weird sort of specific like slice of the Lord of the Rings story that is not covered uh, by the licenses granted by the Middle Earth Enterprises company. Very weird. Very strange. That's part. The, that's why we have. I guess we have Harfoots instead of Hobbits. Well, that's like I, I. You know, I guess some of that has to do with what the actual canon is for the time period that they're adapting. But then, like, it's so weird now because you know, Lord of the Rings canon you know is held up by these licensing rights so they almost have to be very specific to canon you know for legal purposes in a weird way so yeah they own this weird slice of lord of the rings where hobbits like technically didn't exist yet so like amazon bought the lord of the rings quote unquote but aren't allowed to like say the word hobbit for example, <laughs> it's so funny to be like, yeah, we bought it. We bought Lord of the Rings for $250 million. And then like after signing the contract, they're like, and you won't be able to say Hobbit. It's like, uh, what? <laughs> like, what did we just buy? <laughs> oh, it's so funny. And, you know, we have been talking $1 billion, folks, $1 mm -hmm. billion with a B. Mm -hmm. And it's if there's any doubt, this is very libidinal and personal for Bezos. And I wanted to bring a quote up here. This is from an article from a, a while back from an Amazon insider about, you know, prime video. And of course, Lord of the Rings is, I, as we said on a couple of episodes make back, make or break for the entire Amazon prime video, like as a production company. Okay. Like if this doesn't hit, they may not do like the boys anymore. The boys is going to end. It, you know, that that's the one reason why everybody should do Beautifully watch Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, because everything is so messed up uh, in entertainment right now that if Lord of the Rings, the bad Lord of the Rings show doesn't do well, the boys may be canceled forever. So uh, that's one good reason to watch the show. And not even just watch, like uh, sign up for a second Amazon Prime account and then watch it <laughs> because I, I don't know how else. It's among the most expensive streaming services because you have to sign up for like the whatever, the, the Amazon shipping thing. And so it's like $150 a year. And yeah, so this is a quote from an insider, again, for this make or break show about what Amazon Prime Video really is about. Question is, what's an example of a division that AWS subsidizes particularly heavily? And no, AWS sure. is, you know, the thing that actually makes Amazon money. Yeah, Amazon basically runs the entire Internet. And so, you know, even if everybody stopped ordering from Amazon like tomorrow, they'd still be a massively profitable company just minting money. Prime Video, for one, 
Jeff loves Prime Video because it gives him access to the social scene in L.A. and New York. Uh -huh. He's newly divorced uh -huh. and the richest man in the world. Prime Video is a loss leader for Jeff's sex life. <laughs> Very funny. So basically, you know, if, if Lord of the Rings fails, Jeff's sex life might be in danger. And the context here, there is that like, oh, he wants to like have sex with celebrities and stars. Well, he has and this girlfriend now, you know, that broke up his marriage and uh, hey, good for him. Good for him. But there is like I, one thing I noticed about the show, it just uh, a couple of days before it came out after watching uh, what was purported to be like the intro trailer on Twitter. Not true, where it was just a yeah, where it was just the stars kind of standing in it. I noticed that there is not a single star in this show. Yeah. There is not a single person that the average, you know, American certainly would recognize. It is this weird kind of tech company, you know, you know, be outthinking themselves kind of thing to do a show this big. And number one, like you said, not have stars, but number two, also make it like get first time showrunners through the show. Like they are yes. like, they kind of had all these people come pitch and like, they, they think they're kind of smarter than, you know, what traditional Hollywood and everything like that, which granted traditional Hollywood can be extremely dumb, but I feel like they like outthink themselves and they're like, you know, who gave us the best pitch or like, these guys who have never done anything before. And it's like, man, you're spending a billion. That's like pretty fucking risky. You know what I mean? To just put these guys who put together the best PowerPoint in charge of the Lord of the Rings show. Yeah, like literally nothing. They have one uncredited writer credit, I guess, uncredited writer credit on Star Trek Beyond. That's it. that is Oof. that is it. They were in the writer's room for Star Trek yeah. Beyond like that is they consulted on Star Trek Beyond. These are the people making the biggest TV show. One billion dollars yeah, show yeah. of all time. Well, actually, it, Jeff Bezos is making it. Obviously, yeah. this is his thing. This is his baby. And this that's is maybe why obsession. you get in first time showrunners, because you want people that are really going to like be willing to receive notes from the fucking chairman yeah. of Amazon, you know, but yeah. whatever. I mean, this is all aside, you know, from this is all kind of just back, you know, backstory to, you know, the, that this show now actually exists. We were able to actually finally watch this show last night. And, uh, you know, I guess we now can, you know, make, you know, actual we can actually decide whether or not this show is good. Uh, Jack, it is not good. It it's is not, not good. good. And I am not someone who, like a lot of people, I was not down on this when I saw the trailer. Yes, it, I remember when we when we did the Super Bowl episode, I was almost a little bit surprised that you were kind of into the trailer, you know, from the beginning. I, I wouldn't say I was into it, but it was you like... Were, you it, you, it had, you like, thought it had potential, for sure. Yeah, it could be good. I like. I thought it could be yeah. good. It looked... And you're someone it, I thought it looked like, good enough. A lot of people did. A lot right. of people didn't like the visuals from the beginning. I thought they were, you know, fine enough, okay, that you're maybe also not, if the show... You're also not the biggest, you know, Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings person. No, I'm so not. I got the sense from you that you were like, oh, maybe this could be my Lord of the Rings. So <laughs> you don't have that, you know, that... Um, you know, that a preference that might poison you toward this that I absolutely do have. Uh, but both of us, the show is very bad. Well, first off, starting off, like it, I, we say this on the show a lot of times, but like, why 
are they making this show? Like, yeah, the the Jeff Bezos has a reason to make this mm-hmm. show, but the people actually having the responsibility of like writing it, like, don't yeah. they don't yeah. have anything to say about Lord of the Rings? This is a job to him, a great it, job, I'm sure, but it's just a job, and you need someone somewhere in the production of a TV show, especially one that costs a billion dollars to have some kind of creative vision. Otherwise you're just doing a bunch of, you know, a pastiche of tropes um, with a Lord of the Rings uh, skin on it from some, maybe some pretty talented artists. I actually liked a lot of the art direction design and some of the visuals, the way it's shot is awful for the most part for strangely enough. Like it, I actually think it looks a lot better than it's shot for some reason. Like there's so many of these, like every time they talk, they just zoom right in and they shoot and it's back and forth shots. I'm like, no, like you actually have a kind of cool uh, set or background. The costumes looks kind of cool. Like, move the camera around but like these are first time showrunners like they have no idea what the fuck they're doing i definitely agree with you that it's shot very very boringly uh and that it like looks just very very star trek for less of lack of a better word and i'm a star trek fan but it, it just really does feel you know even for the billion dollars spent like Okay, this is the Sci-Fi Channel, you know, Lord of the Rings show where it's shot reverse. Um, But I was even a little less impressed by the costumes, which I feel like even look a little too Renfair or something like that. Like they don't look up and down. It's I think actually most of the costumes are horrific or terrible or out of place. But like I thought, you know, like for example, I thought the Elven like armor that um, Galadriel, Galahandriel, Galadriel. Galadriel. Okay, at first, the Lord of the Rings names are they're awful. All of them are awful. I'm sorry if there's not one single good Lord of the Rings name. I have to okay. disagree there, but that's fine. That okay, that's one thing I can't get into, but I, I digress. And I do want to say, like, any problems that I have with the original Lord of the Rings, and I do have a lot, are like made so much worse by this show. Like they really start to stand uh, out and make the work look much less intelligent than or subtle than it is. But I like the armor of you know her knights and i like the sure. uh but the first time you see it they're climbing up an ice wall in full chain and armor with knives and it's like what is this show that make, that is yeah. just the goofiest thing like there are so many other ways you could show off their strength their prowess their determination it's very why would you immediately show us something like that just makes no sense yeah, and, and then, you know, also, you know, just comparatively to all of the Lord of the Rings stories that have been told, I haven't read the Silmarillion. Of course, I know that it's a lot more just like a history book, but if we're talking about The Hobbit and we're talking about the Lord of the Rings, you know, Tolkien does a very good job with a very traditional, you know, sort of film and storytelling thing of creating identifiable characters to put in this situation. So they're kind of discovering the larger world with us. Um, This show, yeah, it's just kind of hopping between a bunch of characters. And we'll talk a little bit, you know, in a little bit, I guess, about how completely plotless the show is and how basically nothing is happening at all. Um, But I think it does a very bad job of, first of all, it has this, 
massive like sort of prequel section this prologue where i could not believe this section uh, you know because i actually like kind of got into it but it's like it's an entire show in and of itself yeah i would have rather watched that of stuff they don't have the rights to it is this Uh. weird montage of stuff that they're like well we don't have the rights to this and again you know comparing it to the peter jackson trilogy you know the first couple minutes of the first one also has a prologue but it really cleanly sets up what is going on and it only lasts like two minutes this one is like the elves came from another place where something bad happened so then they came to middle earth where there was a giant war which we don't get to see there were all these events that we don't get to see that seem exciting and now when our story begins nothing is happening we join the world of Middle Earth as nothing is happening, <laughs> and all of the characters basically just go from place to place, sort of lamenting that no plot is happening, talking that about there are no how orcs to fight, there's no there's war, n- there's no interesting enemy. Is, yeah, they're just going around talking about like, wow, there sure is nothing interesting happening <laughs> in this world anymore. And I'm like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> It's so strange because you start off with her story and it's like, oh, my God, it's so it's so strange. You start off with Galandriel as a, like a child in, I guess, sure. Elvish, the Elvish help. Valinor, heaven, like, yeah. Valinor, where everything is blissful. And it's like, why are you opening a show about Lord of the Rings with like children like playing in water? Like, I thought this was a show about war and power and conquest. We're also seeing one scene in Valinor, and the next thing you're showing is they like left that place completely and then went to where the actual action is going to be held. It, it is really strange. Like, this show is is so weirdly plotless. And, you know, I understand that things are going to happen and that they're doing this kind of modern television show plotting where they like only need events to happen by like the fourth episode. But it feels so clearly, you know, like they sat down and plotted out what eight episodes would look like. And so they're like, and in episode three, then like this event happens. And so for the first two episodes, they are just so clearly filling time with unimportant shit. Like the, you know, episode one's plot was basically like one guy becomes the the you know the apprentice to a sword maker like that's like the extent of the entire plot is that he's told he is going to be not he doesn't go start to do it yet he's just told he's going to be an apprentice to him uh galadriel sort of laments that nothing is happening and that no one uh you know will let her sort of go find like kind of force bad things to happen um and then some kids find sauron's like you know, sword. That's pretty much the extent of the events that happen in episode one. And the rest is really just introducing us to this wide, vast array of main characters all in different places who are kind of just not doing anything. You're supposed to think initially that uh, Galadriel is like the main character and she's on like a quest to find Sauron that ends 10 minutes into the episode. Yeah. It's like, Sauron killed my brother. I'm going to do go to the ends of the earth to find him. Fast forward 30 years later or something like that. And she has finally reached the ends of the earth. And he, she yeah. has not found Sauron. She fights one. There's one 
like superfluous fight scene which is where they so fight. fucking it's so like force awakens ray marvel like it's too fucking you know she's just like a marvel superhero you know it's like, a it's an intro she she basically comes in and does like an anime like intro yes. kata you know she doesn't yeah. really it's like not really a fight like she the like the troll fucks up her squad but then when she comes in she's just like doing like just micro poses them. like just absolutely yeah. the story which is like what what one thing I will never forget about Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings is that Balrog fight. That's just an amazing sure. fight scene, and like, there's no reason not to have that there. There's no reason not to start the show there with that fight. You can even skip the whole intro. Just have her mention that her brother got killed. Bam, we're in a fucking cave. We're in a uh, looking for Sauron, and there's a fucking troll, and she has to fight yeah. him, and she loses half her squad, and then she turns back. But they don't really I will like- say. I will say also the cave troll is kind of the first example of. I, I think this show is very, very self consciously trying to differentiate itself in weird ways from the look of the Peter Jackson one, and the cave troll is the first you know example of like oh we're going to be kind of seeing like the weird dollar store knockoff version of everything as they very self-consciously try to like call to mind but be legally distinct from the from everything that was in the peter jackson ones um yeah the cave troll did not have a good look to me yeah speaking of the knockoffs the harf harfoots are no hobbits I'm not the biggest Hobbit fan in the world, but at least I could like remember who they like their personalities, if not their names. And these new these hardfoots are just not that interesting. I I guess they're and like they're very like children showy, which is part which is an element of Lord of the Rings. I know, I know, I know, which I don't like, but I understand that you're going to have some of of it. Is part of it, but it didn't really. It like they spent just way too long there. It just like the show that there, and that's after you had spent time with the boring elves, and like that's the part of the show where I got, I was like tired of kind of making fun of it, where I was just like, no, this is like actually boring to watch. Uh, This is like uh actually boring. I'd also say the Harfoots are the first time again talking about the knockoffness of it. First of all, that they're called Harfoots and they're never going to say the word Hobbit in this series is just funny as fuck to begin with. But also the music in this show sucks. The music is not good. It sounds basically like library music. And, you know, the soundtrack for the, the Jackson Lord of the Rings you know, is some of the most memorable film music that we've had of like modern times concerning hobbits, you know, is an absolutely memorable tune. And in this one, we have the fucking, what is it called? Harfoot life. And it is just so bland. So library music, fucking flutes, like this whole show just feels so, you know, mom, can we have a Lord of the Rings? Like, oh, here's the Lord of the Rings we have at home or whatever. I mean, I gotta say with Bear McCreary, like he he has, he does one like every 10 years. That's a banger. <laughs> That's about it. Like he has a couple, like the Walking Dead, you know, Battlestar the Galactica, but I think those are about like 10 years apart. Yeah. Maybe, the, maybe like he is just like, he's he, he can do some great stuff, but most of his stuff is just so middling and uninteresting. Yeah. And- I thought the music was really, really, you know, not so good in this show. And I think that's again, a place where this show is so, so self-consciously and also, you know, 
it, for necessity because of legal reasons, trying to like be so legally distinct from the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings that you're like, hmm. I think it's also going to confuse some people. Like I even saw an article that was like the new Lord of the Rings show like doesn't go to any of the locales we remember from the originals yet. And I'm like, and it can't ever because it can't show them looking that way because they'd be in breach of contract to Warner Brothers because they don't own the rights to that stuff. Oh, thank you for clarifying that because I did read a piece in the article where like this city is supposed to evoke this city from the movie. I'm like, why don't they just go to that city? Yeah. I'm like, oh, because they, they don't own the rights. They don't own the rights, you know, and like so this can't even get any. It's it's such a weird production. You know what I mean? Because in some ways you're like, OK, this is another Disney Star Wars, you know, what we're watching here is a Force Awakens, but it's not even that because Amazon did this bizarre legal maneuver to like buy out the rights so they don't even ha like it's like if Star Wars couldn't like it ha could have lightsabers but they couldn't look like lightsabers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's really weird. Yeah, like the uh, like the a lot of the rights to Superboy got kind of tied up where this where you could call him certain things but couldn't call him other things or couldn't mention smallville that sort of thing or i think right. it, it might be the opposite where like Dis uh warner brothers had to pay extra to use smallville but i digress it's like there's no there's no real reason for this show to exist and like you said jack it it can't win over like the fans of the movies because it's it doesn't look like the movies it's not it has some of the characters but the even the actors look very different it's than very, the characters it, like why are all why do none of the elves have that those long flowing locks out there? Fucking Hugo Weaving was out there looking. Hugo Weaving was out there looking like Snoop Dogg during his sensual <laughs> sensation tour, like just fucking slinging his hair out there. Had that looking beautiful. All of them elves had that flowing locks, and now they all like are square headed. And like I swear to God, all of the male elves look exactly like the exact same guy. Like it's three and different British boxy too, head To be guys. honest with you. They they kind of look dumpy for elves. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's elves funny. Are like to be beautiful. I'm sorry. It's, it's this really weird, and it feels really knockoffy because in some ways there is stuff that is definitely meant to evoke, you know, the the Peter Jackson ones, like. I mean, but it also feels so knockoffy where it's like we have a new sort of eye of Sauron, but it's not the eye of Sauron. It's yeah. just, but it, but it still is flame and it still has kind of like the whispering voices, but they're like legally distinct from the whispering voices we See, heard and, before. Oh my God, Jack. And I didn't even think about that. So in, in, when I saw it, I was just like confused. I was just like, what is this? I didn't realize, oh, this is supposed to be the eye. It's just they can't make it the same sense. I, it didn't even clock. I was just like, oh, I have to figure out what this is. But I think the show assumes you're supposed to know it's the Eye of Sauron. Maybe? Yeah, it, it, it is. And it's like it's trying to weirdly thread this needle of like kind of using the visual language of the Peter Jackson ones. Yeah, but it really not, does. Not legally being allowed to actually use it, you know, because actually Warner Brothers owns the full rights to all of those movies and, you know, and the, the sort of imagery from those movies and stuff. So it is like this is such like there's so much done in this that is so specifically about just like being legally compliant <laughs> that it really makes it like a very strange movie in the end yeah or friend film, of the show i guess show, show. 
uh, Gretchen, a friend of the show, Gretchen Felker Marden, uh, she said that the logo looked like Monster Energy Drink logo. And I think that's pr- yeah. fairly accurate. I thought it looked like actually like the South Park Stick of Truth logo for those video games. Like oh. it really just looks very like it's not, it like, doesn't look like good. it looks like a it looks like a PowerPoint like pre-made title thing. It's just like a weird blue to white gradient in in like a kind of old school looking font. It's bad. One scene that I think maybe was a bit visually impressive, even though it was still boring and wait, took way too long, uh, I guess the crash landing of Gandalf. And, mm-hmm. and like, you know, I, I liked the flames. I liked how when he breathed in, the flames disappear. And when he breathed out, the flames went back. I thought that was a kind of cool visual. I don't know what the purpose of the scene was. Cause it, it, I mean, like, because, because they're moving the story at such a glacial pace that we don't actually even know who that is or what kind of role he's going to play in the series. But, you know, still, uh, it did, like, look nice enough. I'd like to say, by the way, that, you know, what's funny about this series is that we have to compare it to the extended edition Lord of the Rings, you know, from Peter Jackson, which always got the complaint and, you know, maybe true, maybe it's accurate that they were like way too long. But the three and a half hour long extended edition Lord of the Rings is still were like basically just directly adapting the Lord of the Rings books where a lot of stuff happens. Now we're like two hours in to a Lord of the Rings story. Um, This would be where, if I'm not mistaken, they'd definitely be in the minds of Moria at this point, you know, in the original Lord of the Rings movie. And what has happened in this story is like, like a guy you know, became a, you know, an an apprentice to a sword maker and then had to go like do a very Star Trek style like contest with a dwarf. Uh, Galadriel spent an entire hour swimming in the ocean and then like facing off against the worm, which I'm certain we'll never see again. Let's mention this thing. All right. So Galadriel, she's supposed to fuck off to Elven Heaven and Paradise. Yeah. Whatever. I kind of want to talk to you about the elves because I have a real problem with the elves, Jack. Okay. At least. All right. But she fucks off to Elven Heaven, right? And, but then she's like, actually, no, I'm still pissed at Sauron. I'm going to go back and get my revenge. So and she also somehow... something bad might have happened to the people who went to Valinor, but whatever. We also haven't seen yet because this show moves at such an insanely slow pace. Yeah, and so she's and she just ends up teleporting like from the mystical realm into the middle of the fucking ocean, middle of nowhere it seems, and she just so happens to find a sh- shipwreck like in the that comes right to her in the middle of nowhere. This, this really strikes me as like modern TV plotting problems where they're like, okay, so episode one, you know, uh, Galadriel is going to get on the boat and that's going to be your end of her story. Episode two, we're going to focus on her like swimming back to Middle Earth. And so you get to episode two and you're like, okay, what are like the five scenes we can do? Okay, I guess we'll just kind of figure out something to fill time. She like finds a boat and then what if the boat, uh, you know, had to deal with the worm and then we have one scene with the worm <laughs> and like it, it just, just passes by it's just it like oh my god this all feels like such filler shit like just so completely unnecessary and the whole point of that scene is is like a meat cute for her how ha- for her human eventual human yeah uh, mate the, from what i understand 
the the you know worm attacks them she like it seems for a moment like she's gonna go save her new like you know compatriots or something but she just swims away and then the worm kills all of them (laughs) the worm like destroys all of them except for i guess her new boyfriend who is now on just like a perfect you know square of raft that i guess is left over from the larger raft of people that all got killed but that's what's going on i guess in episode two galadriel's tale it feels so small where everything in lord of the rings feels so epic and big it's like we're focusing on this like weird side story of Galadriel like not even fighting the worm like actually not even fighting it just it appearing and then her swimming away from it yeah there's not like a lot of people in this show I think there's really just not (laughs) And even it's then, like, we're you doing don't this... see like cities full of people. Really, yeah. if you really feel, maybe with the the Harfoots a bit, but it feels it does not feel like a fully we fleshed see big out exteriors, world. but it really does have that sci-fi channel or Star Trek feel to it, where it's like okay, big effectsy wide shot of the place, and then we're down to like a place with five people in it. Yeah, and that's like the the dwarven castle or whatever. The dwarven yeah. keep like yeah, some of the like the dwarven keep design. It looked it did actually looked really great, but like you don't get points for that because how many of those have been like put in video games for specifically Lord of the Rings video games, you know, like I've seen, I feel like everything I saw in the show, even the stuff I liked, I had seen it before, if not in a specific Lord of the Rings video game in fucking dark souls or some other, or dragon's dogma or some other dark fantasy, you know, thing. I've seen so much of this before. Yeah. And, and, and that wouldn't even be as big a problem for me, even though I do think that, yes, it is very unoriginal. Cause, but it's at a certain point you're like, well, you're doing Lord of the Rings. And yeah, so yeah, basically so all of fantasy everything is pretty much derived from it. So from Lord of the Rings. So everything, it's going to end up kind of having that problem. So I wouldn't even have an issue with that if there was literally anything going on in the plot. Like what <laughs> I'm surprised by is just like how, much nothing is happening on this show and how even though these old ones are really long even though peter jackson adapted the hobbit a like 100 page book into a three movie trilogy that has extended editions it still feels like more stuff is happening minute to minute in any of the hobbit movies this just really feels like an exercise in wasting time because they don't have any story more than a couple sentences that they're adapting so they're like adapting five sentences into eight hours of television because of a bizarre like legal loophole and so yeah you know this just doesn't like you know, it's almost like you hired a couple of guys to like write another Lord of the Rings book, and then you're just like, "Well, this was unnecessary, and you're not talented enough to do this." Oh, and I, actually, I have to take back what I just said a little bit because Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings films, even though they had come out when we had fantasy had already been a thing for a while, had a yeah. lot of stuff that were looked surprising and new and unique. I think the way he yeah. did the orcs was mm-hmm. very like interesting and different than what I, I had seen. And also before. sort of has created that verb that, you know, the language for we see so many characters like the orcs sort of yes. following Peter Jackson's, you know. But before that, like the orcs were kind of like the Warcraft orcs. They were just like green, you know, strong men. 
Yeah, and speaking of the orc in this scene, we get or it, it, we get one yeah. orc in, in two hours. Two. We are introducing that you know this is how slow this story moves. Is it's like, and then by the end of episode two, we'll find one orc. We'll find one single orc. That's our plot point for episode two. Is they find one orc. And again, I have to steal this from Gretchen, but I, I was feeling at the time, like, that fight scene was at best, like, Buffy, the Vampire Slayer level, God. with, like, a better, like, a slightly better costume and effects on the, uh, uh, on the orc than you would get in Buffy. But oh, actually, not all the time. Not all the time. That wasn't better than all the monsters you saw in Buffy. I was not impressed. I was not, you know, excited you know what i mean like we and by the way you know i was gonna say you know in the old lord of the rings we get these big sort of massive wars and these huge crowds and i will say that we did get a couple shots like that in sort of the opening prologue but that they looked absolutely like shit they look so much worse than uh what we got in the peter jackson lord of the rings which are like these sort of epic like painting level and this one just really felt like a a mushy shot of a bunch of sort of like pre-rendered animations like punching each other in a field like just not I don't know. Like, again, you're making this and everybody has seen those Jackson Lord of the Rings. So you're going to be hit with comparisons. And I think that they uh, fail at at every comparison point. Well, here's the thing. When I was seeing that, like, yeah, it looks cheap. It looked cheaper. But I would still watch like a just a balls to the wall, much, much cheaper and, and less expensive, like Lord of the Rings action adventure show. I thought that's what this show was going to be. If this show was about uh, Galadriel and her elf elves uh, going from town to town, hunting down orc bands and, and looking for Sauron, like I would find that much more interesting than trying to do this big epic scale story where nothing happens yeah, and like there's no purpose to I it. am surprised a little bit. I do find myself surprised because kind of like it happened with Star Wars, I was like, I thought this was going to be bad. I didn't think it was going to be bad in this way. Like it feels, I mean, kind of similar to what the first couple Disney Star Wars or the, at least Force Awakens where the whole thing is not making choices. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, trying to go as, as long as you can without ever like doing any plot because you might like make the wrong choice you know what i mean so it's like i feel like we're gonna get like three plot points in this entire eight episodes and the rest is just gonna be you know this this very boring you know i the, I, I don't care about these characters and i think they really are you know and they're really leaning heavy on like us liking these characters kind of just by default and I guess you cleared that up with the rights issue, but like I didn't understand why is Sauron the villain of this show? We already know that Sauron does the job to a fucking couple of hobbits in the Lord of the Rings movies. We know this story ultimately has a happy ending without a, that much sacrifice from the characters we like. So it's we like, know it's not that important either in the end, because like where, where the story actually ends is during this epic Lord of the Rings. You know what I mean? Like we know <laughs> that this is not going to like actually resolve and that Sauron won't be defeated uh, because we know the story of when he was defeated. And they're in this weird space with like, the legality of the canon that they can't even make major changes to things like that. There were a lot of pre-press, uh, pre-release um, press releases about how this show was making uh, Lord of the Rings diverse. Mm. And I have to say, Jack, 
This is still this is a white white ass show. I know that's that's what I thought what too. Like, listen, what they talking about? I, I mean, it's very funny. You know, I guess Lord of the Rings was whiter, but I watched like like watching like the first twenty minutes of this show. I was like, you know, it's still kind of is all white people. You know what I mean? Like, the, and, and then like there are a few sort of black hobbits. And by the way, people are really crediting this show with diversity, but actually Tolkien describes the Harfoots as being like descendants of the hobbits and being brown people pretty much. He says as much in the Silmarillion, they're described that way. Um, but the show, you know, we have one black elf. I think he's actually a half elf. Um, it still mostly portrays all the elves as white people. Like when we were at like the, you know, the council of the elves, I'm like, Okay, so there's some black hobbits, but but elves are pretty much all white still. Yeah, and Jack, we got we got to talk about the elves and the racial dy- the racial dynamics of Lord of the Rings. Never been a fan of them. Oh, and there is a mention. I, I'm so I'm so surprised they weren't able to avoid this. The 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 orcish final solution. We're told, and and, and uh, this is something that George R. R. Martin mentions, and this is probably why the show should have just avoided it. Because, like, we've already had the postmodern deconstruction of the right. Lord of the Rings and the fact that the orcs are literally mud people. And yeah. the story uh, requires our protagonists, led by the high elves, to eradicate them from the face of the earth. And this is explicitly mentioned in the opening of the show. And they tried to get buy-in from the audience. It's like, oh, Galandriel is on the quest to make sure that there's not an orc left breathing on the planet Earth. And we're supposed to celebrate this as like a good thing. And that's always been part of my problems with Lord of the Rings. We don't need to go, go over it again. But it's surprising to me that the show wouldn't try to avoid it or even like update it in some sort of way. You know? Yeah. Even like the video games where you spend all that time slaughtering the orcs, they like try to give the orcs a little bit of personality. There are some good orcs. They try to mix it up a little bit. But the show is like, no, they are animals and they need to be put down. I mean, which is, you know, the the case in the um, in the original work. But then also it is a weird thing to kind of focus on. Like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, uh, that is present in the original work. But then that makes it a weird time to try to focus on in the canon, you know, yeah, like when they yeah, were trying to eradicate the last few orcs. <laughs> and like, so the elves. All right. And maybe this is my I feel like this is a problem with Tolkien. Maybe it's, and the show is just highlighting it. But what, what, why am I supposed to care about, you know, orcs or the lives of humans or the lives of these Harfoots who are just basically mayflies compared to the elves who live forever, have access to a magical realm, heavenly land that they can go back to where they are like treated specially by even higher level deific uh, uh, beings over there who like love the elves, especially invite them to the wet, the Waverly lands or whatever it's called. (sighs) Why? And they, and the elves literally live forever. Like we see uh, Galadriel, she ages, she goes through like 400, 500 years in the first episode. It's just like, they live, live forever and they cannot die and we're even told in the episodes like actually elves do not have doctors we have artists who heal your mind because Uh our wounds heal magically immediately if we hurt 
Jack, why am I watching this? Well, like, what the fuck are, why, what, 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 how does this make sense? Like, what is it the life of an elf like? Why do we care about the lives of others? Why do they spend time in Middle Earth? These are questions that I never found myself asking, though, until this show. So I, I mean, think the boringness the of the that- show kind of. I think that's the issue is that like, you know, the, 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 the storytelling in Lord of the Rings and Hobbit is so epic. And also I will say the show doesn't do the legwork that the movies do and that the books also do to start you with a character who is relatable to you. Like, why are we supposed to care about the hobbits? Because the hobbits are us. And that's how the, and that's what the story tells you in the books. And it tells you that in the original movies. It's like, Okay, we are in this large, fantastical world, but let's start with people who mostly like to stay at home and have yeah, parties yeah. and like eat cheese and stuff like and that, smoke weed. and like and smoke weed. Pretty much, like that is truly what it is. Like we start off in this place, and then we're like, okay, like I can kind of relate to these guys who like are just trying to get by and like to eat food and have parties and stuff like that. This show starts with and. Basically, the closest thing we have to a protagonist, which is an issue, uh, the closest thing we have to a protagonist is Galadriel, who is not relatable in any way whatsoever. And yes, does suffer a little from like modern movie, you know, this person is just un you know undeniably badass like badassness kind of standing in for a personality you but with know, no good fights to, badass yeah, with, with no good fights that's the biggest problem you can't you have to in order to be a badass you have to bleed you have to yeah. be hurt you have to be able yeah. to be hurt to be if vulnerable yeah you have to be vulnerable that's the only way you can be a badass yeah listen i do think i do think you know that um they've made a big error with you know the characters were seeing this through the eyes that were seeing this through and there is a reason why the hobbit and the lord of the rings both start in the shire with a reluctant hero you know who is uh we don't have a reluctant hero in this show every single character in this show is like wow like i wish something would happen they're sitting around in that episode one being like, it sure is boring, all the not, no plot happening. You know, maybe it would be cool if some plot happened. <laughs> and then like just all sitting around waiting for plot to happen and, you know, hoping someday, wishing upon a star that a plot might happen to them someday. Yeah, and it really makes uh, like a lot of the side characters who are the ones that say no don't do this don't do that seem really annoying the harfoots like just ultimately don't seem that likable to me because the finally like like they're holding the plot up like it <laughs> ultimately like there's nothing happening in the show and anybody who's like holding the plot plot up even a little bit seems like my enemy <sighs> the show i mean I'm i'm scrolling through it i'm scrolling through it and it's just like it's just nothing, nothing happens. Nothing for nothing a billion happens. dollars. And it's just- nothing happens. And we are a quarter of the way through the first season of this show. And I'm Only like, eight maybe episodes. this is what happens when you're like, okay, we're going to go straight to five seasons. I'm like, your writers don't have enough to fill one fucking season. You know what I mean? Like, start with one. Try to fill out one season before you're like, and then like at the end of season one, like Sauron shows up. I'm like, you know, Sauron shows up in Lord of the Rings at the end of minute one (laughs) (laughs) and then we're off to the races with like an adventure again i'm like 
This is going to make the extended edition Lord of the Rings. Those are it's like over ten hours if you watch all extended edition Lord of the Rings. You're gonna watch those and be like, wow, holy shit, plot is happening every single minute. Versus this just interminable show where we're two episodes in and it's about Galadriel went across the ocean and then swam back. This guy became, you know, a the apprentice to Calabrimbor, who we don't really know whether his forge is going to be a good thing or not. And then his goal was to go try to get like the forge made, you know, like there's no adventure happening. There's no core plot occurring in this like we don't know what the threat is or what or what like the you know what the stakes are or what we're even fucking watching we just know that there are you know six perspective characters in this and that we're going to be seeing them every episode and like you know you get the party together in like immediately in lord of the rings that's like the thing of it it's like we're we're going to be at the end of act one that is act one it's like you have to get sent off on your adventure then you get your team together and then we're off to the races like yeah this is going to be like at the end of season one they'll be like should we have a fellowship yeah maybe we should have a fellowship and then like the season ends Oh, boy. All right. So not a fan of the show. But, Jack, will you keep watching just to see? I guess. Fuck it. You know, it's on my it's on my Plex. It's going to be on my Plex. And I don't know. I, I guess there is some real perverse fascination in this being the most expensive show ever made and being made by Amazon and taking away even a few dollars from Jeff Bezos's space aspirations. Uh, I think I will keep watching this, you know, as a cultural artifact. But man, it is it is just really got nothing going on. Yeah, I I probably will keep checking out because I don't think there there's not that much else coming out to watch now. Sure, I don't. Oh, I mean, I, other I, than I House was, of the Dragon, which I'll be religiously oh, yeah. watching every episode. All right, we'll talk about that in a second. But like, I will be watching this while like playing video games or something like that because it's not really like that engaging of a show. But I'll have it on in the background. But I wouldn't recommend it. I would actually go back just watch if you miss Lord of the Rings, go watch Lord of the Rings, go read Lord of the Rings because I don't think you're gonna get much from this show so but there is a real true blue cultural phenomenon happening house of the dragon oh yeah Jack, i watched the second episode i, I didn't like the first episode that much and sure. i told you as much um but it was okay and i, I actually kind of liked the second episode mm-hmm. but this is this it, is happening more and more yeah and it, because the show has kind of gotten into the groove and this is a show that I can watch while folding my clothes folding my laundry it's kind of like uh, someone uh, mentioned like we need we just need more procedurals that aren't about cops and this kind of feels like that like you said it was like the two doors it's just a TV show it's just an actual true blue TV show and I appreciate that yeah, I would also say that this show, comparatively to Rings of Power, seems to be like moving at like a fast clip. Like in our second episode, we've already done a six month time jump. You know what I mean? Like Rings of Power, we're not even getting to this episode until the end of season one. Like this show is like moving fast and like wants to get us through, you know, a, a lot of plot basically like you know she got declared you know the new heir to the throne now we're six months later and we're having a face-off against Damon. this is all happening in the second episode and then the new like basically not a new heir but you know there's a wrinkle in this heir situation like by the end of the episode the king is ever closer to dying like things are happening on this show 
I, I don't know. I don't. I think the plot. I think the speed of the plot is just like normal speed. I think this is just like the speed like a TV show should be plotted. I really don't think it's fast. Like I would compare like compared to something like Empire. Like I don't I mean, really sure. think. Yeah, I'm yeah. comparing it to Ring of Power. Yeah, Ring of Power is like move, moving much much faster than that. But it is like I, I want to say it's like this is what a TV show should kind of be. Okay, this yeah. is what like the pace it should be. The characters we should be. I think we need. We still need more characters in the show. We still only really have damon but they da- uh, is damon right damon targaryen yeah damon targaryen yeah i like him i like him i could see more of him i, I kind of like sh- the king now too the king is kind of growing got a little bit too. more interesting in this episode yeah. too the, it, it, the show the, uh, a few of the other characters need work need more to do also comparatively to rings of power this has some of the stuff that works about prequels that rings of power can't do like we're getting to see the places that we are familiar with. We're getting to see King's Landing in a different way, but then it actually does match what we've seen before about King's Landing. You know, we, by the way, I would also say, I think the crab feeder seems like a cool villain. I like seeing our creepy fucked up villain. I, I like it actually. I like him so far. Yeah, I think they should have shown us a more, a lot more, but it's a good concept and it was mostly like, Executed well and what it was a well done episode of TV, which is a rare thing to see, especially with these bigger shows where it's just like everything is a HBO or movie for better or worse. HBO still knows how to make television shows, you know what I mean? Amazon. This is their first crack at it. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> HBO has done like you know, some they've fallen off recently, but they have done some of like the best shows ever made. You know what I mean? Uh, and so, like, there is still some of that juice. They still know how to make television. And I think House of the Dragon feels like it's a fucking true blue television show. And Rings of Power is kind of like, well, like, they spent a lot of money. And they're they're certainly trying their best for the first time. They even made the dragons less shitty in this episode. I was surprised. Like, oh, they actually used them kind of effectively. I think even more effectively than sometimes Game of Thrones uh, yeah. used them. So I, I don't mind like, the dragons I, in this. Yeah, so I think they did a good job. Matt Smith, even though I made fun of him for his wig and he's his good. look, I was like, like he's good in this. He's just he like is. good. He's he's just good in this. He's a Damon's good, a good. Damon's a good, you know, anti-hero villain type character. Like I think he he is really working in that that mold of a you know, is he a good guy or bad guy? Game of Thrones kind of character. Yeah, I I dig it. I don't dig too much of the succession storyline. I get, like because it has the problem where it's like, okay, why does she want to be queen? When I first saw her, I was like, oh, she doesn't want to be queen. She wants to be a soldier. She wants to be a warrior. No, no, no. Everybody, every king is also a warrior. Is also a this, a that, and everything great. I, that's one thing. And I know that's a big Game of Thrones thing that I wish it was a little bit more thoughtful about, a little yeah. bit more interesting about. I mean, I'm just into the sort of palace intrigue of it. You know, I am into. Yeah, you just kind of have to take Otto, it as Otto Hightower you... is like is is plotting to have his daughter put in, and I did like the like just weirdness of them trying to marry off their like 11 year old daughter and the okay. king going on like a weird date with an 11 year old. All right, this I did not like. This I that's, did not like. That's Game I, of Thrones. Look, no, no, no. That, that that's the books. That's the books. The TV uh, shows aged them all up. For obvious reasons, and I think with the, I think you just you just age you just just make her a little bit older because we've seen these scenes. It's supposed to be seen, fucked up though. I know, but we've seen these scenes before, and it be fucked up where the 
what where the girl is just like a teenager. We've like tons of TV shows have done this like scenes like that before where the king refuses to marry like a 16 year old. Okay. Even for the throne, you could have done that. I didn't think like, it just made it a little bit too fucking awkward to like, I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was effective. I thought it was effective. I was like, Ooh, this is pretty crazy. They're really doing it. 16 year old would have still gotten the point across without it being like, Oh, like why that guy actually considered it uh for like a really long time um how am i gonna be rooting for this guy like obviously that was the actual thing of the time period what have you there's a there's a reason it's television it's not reality okay (laughs) i I digress i digress but on the whole i really enjoyed the show and i'll actually you know i'll keep watching this one i would say like i don't think it's the greatest tv show i've ever seen but it's like an effective tv show Get you in, get you out in about an hour. You have a satisf- satisfying conflict and conclusion with a little bit of a resolution with something being teased at the end. This like crab guy. Now, I don't want to see the next four episodes also be increasingly longer teases for the crab guy. I want to see crab guy next week. Let's okay? get into the crab guy. I'm into it. I want to see the crab feeder. All right, folks. That was Struggle Session. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to like, subscribe, uh, star rate. Thank you so much for Blue to Blue Wire Podcast Network for sponsoring the show. Make sure to subscribe at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com. Peace. See ya. Like what you hear? Want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.